0: Welcome to adultbiblestories.com. Our vicarious God and his vicarious people. My name is Jeff, and we're doing a hop, skip, and jump through the Bible. Uh, We're on Corinthians. Uh, Last time, we didn't get very far. We didn't jump far enough or hop or skip quick enough. We only got to uh, chapter 5, so let's continue in 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in chapter 6. So let's go. Chapter 6, and let's just jump down to verse 9. Do you not know that that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you not perceive neither the sexual immoral, nor adulterers, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't think that's the whole list. I think that was just the list that he had for that church. So whatever's going on (laughs) and whatever sin could actually fit there, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. Yet you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So there's a, you know, a debate in the you know in the church if, if somehow that you can uh, not inherit the kingdom of God but still go to heaven. Where the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteous peace and joy in the Holy Ghost or so so forth. But the question is, is if if these lifts of people, the sexual moral, adulterers, adulterers, homosexual offenders, thieves, greedy or drunkards, or slanderers, or swinders, and they don't if you know if they don't inherit the kingdom of God, but yet they still go to heaven, uh no, that heaven wouldn't be heaven if you know if you don't want to go to heaven, if you don't want to uh, quit sinning, and you know, if you want to live life the way you want to live, with kind of Jesus as a, a lucky charm as a rabbit's foot so to speak or something like that, then rest assured you, you won't be going. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean or here, because there is people that are trying to these sins right here. There are people trying to overcome those sins right now. So I'm not talking about those of you who are who are struggling to fight, who are, you know need the life skills to quit stumbling over stupid stuff and doing doing things you don't mean to do. But I'm talking about people that are okay with these things. They're okay with stealing. They're okay with adultery and adultery and and every kind of sexual sin and greedy and drunkards. I'm talking about people who think. They're are okay with God. God and I are like this when they're sinning. When the scripture says if you if you continue to sin that you, that you and you say you have fellowship with God, you're you know you are a liar. So I'm not trying to be mean in here or saying that you're out, you're in, but but if you're okay with the sin in your life, then there's a hard issue, and maybe you need to get back to the Lord. So let's hop and skip, jump down to verse twelve. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissional for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now, now this is an interesting statement. Is Paul talking about everything is permissible? I mean, right after here, we're talking about these people not inherit the kingdom of God. So why would God say on one hand, this is not permissible, but on this hand, it is permissible? And there's a debate in church on all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's never been everything permissible. I mean, even in the garden, you know, God said, you may eat of every tree, that, you know, of, of the field. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of. So that was not permissible of eating from that tree. And we know what happened when they did eat from that that tree. So I don't think he's saying here that you can just take this, this, this scripture, everything is permissible, and just use it as a blanket that everything is permissible no i think he's getting ready to show you do a comparison here in fact i think that was probably a saying back then everything is permissible i think that's what they said because after all first the corinthians was a church where they were applauding or uh of, of them of saying that they had such great, great grace that they could overlook somebody sleeping with their with their uh stepmother which you know paul uh confronted them on and that wasn't permissible <laughs> So, but I, but I think he's using the statement, everything is permissible. That's what he's saying. That That's what you guys are saying. But then he goes on to say, but not everything is beneficial. And certainly that is not beneficial. Everything is permissible for me. So he says it again, but I will not be mastered by anything. So we say, okay, if you're saying it's permissible, but then, but if it's, but if it's not beneficial, then why do it? If it's permissible, but it's, but to be being mastered by something, then how could you say it's permissible? And this is not the same. This is not the only time he says it. I mean, here in a later chapter, he sa- he says it again. So I think it's really a, a saying that we're saying down there. I mean, that kind of saying is happening nowadays. I and mean, we're not under the law. I'm not under the law. I can do, we can do all things? Well, the law didn't come with Moses, but you saw what happened to the people who didn't live under the law before Moses. You know, they, they still died. I mean, they died for sinning, not under the law, but they died for the for breaking the law. The law they did not know. And even Paul talks about that in, in Scripture. So, so but he's getting ready here, he's I think he's getting ready to compare, said everything is permissible for me. That's what you guys say, but everything is but every, but not everything is beneficial. You guys say everything's permissible for me, but ever but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. You know. The body was not meant for sexual morality and immorality, but but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. So I think he's comparing those two. So he said, Yeah, I mean, all food is now clean. You can eat anything you want. Because he's talking to to uh, Greeks here. He's talking to non-Jews here. So he said, yeah, you can eat what you want. If you want to eat pork, yeah, it's for the body, and the body is for the pork and all that kind of stuff. But here, sexual morality, no, no. That This body belongs to the Lord. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This doesn't belong to you. You can't do anything. There's some things that are not permissible because it's not beneficial for your for your sake or for God's sake. And, and if you're being mastered by it, then why would God make it permissible if you're being mastered by it? So so he's let's do a hop and skip and jump down and down to verse 18. He says, flee from flee from sexual morality. All other sin, sin a man commits or outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So that's one sin that you're not sin against only your brother, but you're sinning against yourself, your own body. When people get caught up in sexual immorality, I'm telling you, talks <laughs> you start taking on that other person's personality, that other person's problems, because two become one. You know, and so so you start, so there's thing just things just happen to your body. You know, a lot of people tell you not to get involved in kind of those relationships. Wait, well, you know, wait till you're married because of disease or get pregnant. I mean, you can overcome those things. You can do some of those things out there, but there's, but when you engage in sex morality, there's always a consequence of that you are always going to be sinned against your own body. There's going to be a consequence in your own body, your own mind, your own soul. Every, every time, every time the wages of sin is death, not just sometimes, but every time. Now there's different types of wages. There's you know low wages and a high wage, minimum wage. And so this may be you know a slightly less than minimum wage because the highest wage is eternal death. But the minimum wage, you know, you're 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 getting something that you don't want. You say that. You may not get pregnant. you may not get a disease, but you're getting something what you don't want. You're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And it goes on to say, it says you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So your body is not not your own i mean god bought you he owned you he first created you and then he bought you back and therefore we need to honor god with our body let's hop skip and jump to chapter seven we're going down to verse four the wife's body does not belong to her alone but also to her husband in the same way the husband's body does not belong to him alone but also to his wife so that says a lot right there one i think says you know what women are saying about you know it's it's my body it's my right. Well, right there it's saying it's not it's not just your body, but it's also your husband's body. And of course nowadays there's some women you know or you know men involved that are not married, so they can make that claim there. But it's saying you don't you don't have the say of your own body. And I think I'd say well maybe even come down to tattoos or piercings or something like that. Of course, you know I know that's another thing that people are uh, people are against. But right there it's, you know uh so if a husband wants to get a tattoo and' and your wife doesn't want you to get one well you you need to obey the scripture you need to uh, come to a clear understanding of exactly you're not the only owner of your body that she also owns and it's also talking about mutual submission so this idea of a, of a man's higher than a woman and there is a place of authority you know the buck's got to stop with somebody and it stops with the husband but when it comes to a mutual a mutual respect a mutual submission right here and it's with with the body so let's hop skip and jump down to we're staying in chapter seven let's go down to verse nine but if they cannot control themselves they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn let's go, let's go to verse eight now to to the unmarried and the widow i say it is good for them to stay unmarried as i am but if they cannot control themselves they should marry for it is better to to marry than to burn and NIV says with passion, but that passion is not in the original Greek. Um, he just talked about to burn and he's not talking about two people loving each other um, that, that can't keep themselves from one another before. He's talking about people that just have a desire to get to engage in intimacy. He's saying, if you've got that burning in you, <laughs> then you need to go you need to get married you need to go get married and take care of that so that doesn't burn into you and that so that doesn't tempt you and you, you know you fall into it and it does say and that burn is burned Paul uses that same word later on talking about that he burn. it burns within him when he sees people fall into sin so there's something that burns is really intense you know that same word is also talking about how how in the New Testament it talk about uh, offering burnt sacrifices so let's hop skip and jump we're staying let's see we're staying in corinthians chapter 7 hop skip and jump to verse uh chapter 7 verse 19. circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing keeping god's commands is what counts now we know back then uh the jews grew up because of abraham believing that uh if, they were, if a male circumcised then they had a covenant with god and that's all we needed to have a covenant with god they were children of god because of circumcision and paul is saying now we're born again circumcision really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not circumcised. Uh, When the church first began, many of the Jews say, no, everybody has to be circumcised, has to be Jesus and circumcision. And Paul's saying, no, it doesn't. Circumcision doesn't mean anything. What matters is, is uh, keeping God's command is what counts. Well, nowadays, let's bring that up to, you know, in our situation, in our culture, circumcision is something, you know, this country just does. Uh, here in America, in the United States, but just to forget about that. Let's just bring it into our circumstance and our situations here. Um, what people consider to be covenant. Well, I go to church? I read the Bible. I pray? Well, all those things we need to be doing. But if you're not keeping God's commands, if you're not doing what it says to do, if you're a hearer only but not a doer, then you deceive yourselves. But a lot of people are not even thinking about keeping God's command, or they think, well, I just need to keep God's command, which is love. And that's true. If we kept God's love, then all the other commands are going to be kept. But unless we're in the word of God, and unless we're seeing it written before us, we're not going to have a good definition of love. We're not going to be able to walk in love because we've got to be be reminded exactly what is love is not what is love. I'm telling you, it's like driving, you know, driving on the highway. If you don't use cruise control, the next thing you're, you're going to do, you're going to go just as fast and just as reckless as everybody else. But with cruise control on, you know, you're going to Just see how different and everybody else is going to see how different a driver you are than everybody else. Because I'm saying that most people do not drive the speed limit. And most people do not obey God's commands. So if you're looking towards, you know, your fellow driver and how fast you should drive rather than the signs on the road, then you're going to be breaking the law, you know, breaking the commands. So we need to keep God's command is what counts. So if you think just going to church is going to get you there, if you just think prayer or reading the Bible, in fact, I don't really think you, if you're, you know, you're going to really stay in prayer, you know, if you, you know, um, if you're not walking the command to love. But let's hop skip and jump down to verse 23. You are bought at a price; do not become slaves of men. So that's, and that's what it's talking about. Some people right before there they're talking about slavery. Some people think the Bible, you know says slavery is okay. Well, slavery in no fashion form is okay. There is times of slavery where there is no freedom and, and so forth. And I'm going to deal with racism and slavery and all that kind of stuff sometime this year, hopefully. But he's saying, price, do, don't don't become slaves of men. And it's easy to become slaves of men. Don't go get, it, be, get into debt with a credit card. I know I've done it too and doing it now. But <laughs> we become a slave. The Bible says, you know, if you, if you, take a bar if you take money you receive money you got to pay back you're a slave i you know a lender a, a borrower is a slave to the lender we can also become a slave by giving a word too quick to somebody there's so many different ways we can become a slave and so as so you were bought with a price to not become slaves of men be responsible goes on to say hop skip and jump we're staying in chapter seven but we're jumping down to verse 37 just a couple phrases here uh, but the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So once again, it's talking about somebody who's burning with, with, with desire for intimacy, physical intimacy. He says, but somebody who's under no compulsion, who doesn't have that burning desire that can be celibate, that can go on, then it has control over his own will, which means when he sees something, that does bring up that desire. You know, if you're living, breathing male, and, and that desire comes up, but you have control of your own will. You don't lose control. You don't fall into sin. You don't step into sin. You don't jump into sin. You know, he says, then you've made a right choice. So you can you spend more time serving the Lord, focus on the things of the Lord. But you got to have control over your own will. If you don't have control over your own will, then you need then you need to uh, find marriage. And but even marriage itself, if you know you need to have the right motive of, of marriage, because if you go in to satisfy yourself, the marriage is not going to last. But that's a that's another big story. Let's hop, skip, and jump to chapter eight, and let's go down to uh, stay in verse one. Now about food, uh, sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know, but the man who loves God is known by God. So there's several phrases in here you may have heard in church. Uh, it's found here, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And you also may say, the man thinks he knows something, but, doesn't he, but he does not yet, he ought to know. But knowledge puffs up. It's interesting because I didn't know a lot of uh, God's laws and God's ways before I got saved. Probably you didn't either, unless you're, you know, brought up in a real knowledgeable church. But there was a lot of things that I was okay with be- before I came to Christ, simply because I didn't have knowledge that was wrong. You know, I liked being a sinner. I was okay being a sinner. as a fruitful sinner. Uh, but when I found out things were wrong, all of a sudden I had a knowledge of sin. And the law brings the knowledge of sin. And, and all of a sudden I... I I started judging people not only myself but other people and especially people who are not saved because now i knew well that was but but he's saying don't let that knowledge puff you up but let let love build you up so even though you have more knowledge of what sin is and if you're becoming a christian and you're progressively growing in the lord and maturing you're going to have more knowledge of sin i'm telling you when you first gave your the day that you gave your life over to the lord because you knew you're a sinner i'm telling you the more you walk with the lord the greater You know how much of a sinner you are. The closer you get to the sun, the closer you get to purity, the more that you see that you need a savior. That's the way it ought to be anyway. And so knowledge can puff up. So don't let knowledge, the knowledge of sin, cause you, you know, to judge somebody where before you were friends. What happened now? Well (laughs) knowledge, well, I can't hang out with you now because, you know, now I know how big of a sinner you are. And certainly, we we need to, you know have some balance there, but we shouldn't be judging somebody just because now we have knowledge of something to sin. Many times we can get a revelation of something, and and you know, two friends get a re- one person get a revelation of something, and we will suddenly judge another person, and that person doesn't even know what we're talking about because they don't have the revelation. But instead, we need to love builds up. We need to use love to build up. But the man who loves God is known by God. If you want to know, if you want to be known by God, if you want. Jesus, you know, some uh, Jesus talking about many people will come up and knocking on the door says, let us in. And Jesus says, I don't know you. Well, who is who is Jesus going to who is Jesus going to know? Who is God going to know? Those who love God. So I, so you need to believe, you know, you, you believe in your mouth you believe in your heart, confess from the mouth that Jesus is Lord and raised from the dead. You are saved. But you need to make sure that you love God because the end thing is love. Everything's about love, right? I mean, we live in a culture now that to use the phrase that love wins, even though, even without a you know a messed up definition of exactly what love is. But if you think you're just going to go to heaven because I'm just going to believe, but if you don't love God, why why would you love God all of a sudden when you get to heaven and not now? Well, let's just just move on. I don't I don't want to lose a bunch of people here. Knowledge puffs up, but love love builds up, and as your love grows too. Okay, so you. I know if you're if you're born again and just new to Christ, you're probably not going to love God as somebody who's been with Christ for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Love grows. Love builds up. The more you understand how, how much God loves you, the more you're going to love God. The more you understand, you know, what Jesus did on the cross, the more you're going to love God. So if you don't feel that love, if you don't know if you love, say, well, I believe, but I don't know love, stick with it. Just find out what Jesus did for you. They press in, press into the Lord it says, if you draw close to the Lord, he'll draw close to you and you'll find that his love will overtake you. So let's hop, skip and jump. Let's see, let's go down to chapter nine and skip down to verse seven. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? So this is a whole chapter talking about money, which is something you got, you got half the church that's. That's what they want to talk about ninety percent of the time. And then you got the other churches doesn't even want to talk about it at all. But this talks about money here, and this is kind of what it based off what I'm basing off what I'm doing for the Lord the ministry. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes, who tends a flock and does not drink of its milk? Do I say this merely at from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. So I'm wondering why. For we're, we're no under the law. Why is uh, Paul bringing up the law? No, we're not under the law. We're under the law of grace. But he's but the but the law still matters. There are principles to live. And if you're going to walk in love, then you're going to automatically keep the law. If you want to know if you're not walking in love, then you'll find out the law comes up and to show you where you're not walking in love. But he's talking about giving an offerings, and, and here Paul is talking about that he's given up his right. So he he continues to to work when he you know when he has to until Timothy and Silas and. You know, and Titus and all of them get there. Then he goes into preaching full time, but he but every time he goes somewhere, it looks like he takes you know takes on a job, um, so he can uh, boast in what God has done for him. And he goes on to here this hop, skip, and jump down. We're staying in verse or chapter nine down to uh, let's see here, right before right before verse thirteen. It says, "We put up anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ." Is talking about why he doesn't ta- he doesn't take his rights as. Uh, um, the offering rights. He goes on down and says, "The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel." So he's, t- so he's saying, t- "Hey, if you're going to be a preacher, if you're going to be, in, you know, in the church, then you, you should live off the gospel. You should be receiving offerings. You should receive and pay some way, somehow, so that you can give yourself full time to prayer, studying the word, and ministering. And then he goes on to hop, skip, and jump down to verse 18. He says, what then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not to make uh, use of my rights in preaching it. So Paul, and a lot of ministers nowadays, try to do free of charge, and that is my ultimate goal. But right now, as I'm starting out, you know I um, that's that's why if you if you have joined Gideon's army if you s- subscribe to all these podcasts and videocasts and PDFs and everything um, I make everything you can get everything you know pre-released uh, before everything gets to the public pre-release for you know anywhere from 30 to 90 days you get you get the uh, access to everything the Lord has given me and then after that I start releasing it uh, lots of these and released even released up to the 90 days free of charge I do want to give the gospel free of charge, but I can't do that, um, to the extent that I want to, if I want to preach and teach, you know, as much as God has given me, but there's going to be a time where I'll be able to, but right now, um, that's why I hope you subscribe and, and support me. It doesn't take that much for me to work full time, uh, doing this kind of stuff. Uh, so I have low bills. That's good. So let's hop, skip and jump down. We're standing in first Corinthians chapter nine down to, uh, Okay, let's go down to verse 21. To those not having the law, I became like the one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am to Christ's law. Right there, Paul says he's not under the law, but he's not free from God's law. And neither are we, but he's under Christ's law. It means there's a law that's higher than that law. It means if you're walking in the law of the Messiah, which is Jesus Christ, walking in the law of the anointed one, walking in the grace, then all those other laws you're not under because you're already keeping them. Hop, skip, and jump down to verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. That's just a phrase that I like. You know, if you if you want to win the prize, I mean, going to heaven is already prize enough, right? I mean, I mean, <laughs> the alternative is going to hell forever. That's not good. And so, but but there's more. There's a whole lot more God has to offer for us. There's a whole much more position and more rewards for us by presenting ourselves to the Lord and doing every says that He tells us to do, training for it. We become Christians, but as we train, as we become better, as we grow, as we draw close to Him and become more fruitful, God wants us to be exceedingly abundantly fruitful so we so the world may see that we are His disciples. That the the we get great rewards or lost rewards if we don't do that. So if you want to get the all that you can, if you want to get an all access pass to heaven, then you want to compete. You want to go into strict training. You want to make sure that you're doing the will of God. You don't want to haphazardly live this life. You don't want to get up and wonder what God's will is. Paul, throughout many of his books, are always pr- telling us to pray for it until we may know God's will because God doesn't just drop it on you. If you're not seeking God's will, he's not going to force it on you. God is not, not a dictator. When you came to the Lord, he owns you. He bought you with a price, but he's not going to yank you and, and put chains on you and, and demand that you do his will. He's still going to give you free will. If you choose not to, then you don't have to. There would be consequences to it, but I mostly have losing your reward because you're only saved by your know, faith in Christ, not by works. We're saved for works, but not by works. But if you choose not to do anything for God, I mean, you're wasting the life that that God gave you through Jesus Christ, and you're not going to get rewarded except um have eternity in heaven and that's and you're going well that's all i need well praise god i'm going to love to see you there but you know look for the guy with the crowns look for the guy with robe of righteousness with all these patches on for what i did for the lord you know and and all these things one of these days i'm going to talk about do a teaching on all the rewards that god has for us let's hop skip and jump uh to verse uh chapter 10 it says i do not this is another phrase i do not want you to be ignorant now all of a sudden, let's just jump down a couple more scriptures. Um, their, their bodies were scattered over the desert. I do not want you to be ignorant, for their bodies were scattered over the desert. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't. I want you to be knowledgeable, because these bodies were scattered over the, over the desert. Now, Jeff, you're going. Uh, you're saying, uh, "What are you talking about?" Well, let's read in between those two lines. <laughs> I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea, that they all baptized into Moses, into the cloud, and into the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So, So the Old Testament is examples for us. So if these people... Had 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 taken, had heard the same gospel, had heard the same things, had drank, had received the same benefits from the Lord, but yet they did not please God, because without faith you cannot please God, then they died before their time. They did not accomplish what God wanted to accomplish for them. Their plan that God had for them, a good plan and not for evil, did not come to pass. And the same thing can happen to us. Even if you are born again, blood bought. Speaking in tongues, you know, if you do not pay attention, if you think you just go live a righteous life, go live the life that you want to live apart from Christ, but still come to him on Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever day you go to church, then you're you're going to find out your life is not going to end the way that you wanted it to. Oh, yeah, you still may make it to heaven because it's by faith in Christ, but, but (laughs) but you're going to die before it's time. And you're not going to you're not going to get the rewards and and of course the the least is you're not going to get the rewards the most is you go so far that you deny christ but let's hop skip and jump down to uh we're staying in chapter 10 to verse 13 no temptation has come has seized you except what is common to man and god is faithful who will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear so if you ever hear people say oh, god never put on you more than you can handle it's usually taken from this but that's not what that is saying It's saying no temptation. There's no temptation greater than you. It's not saying that God won't put something heavy on you. And God won't put something heavy on you. But we do it all the time. We do it to ourselves. We take on more than we can bite. We think ourselves, a lot of times we think that we're more capable than we really are. Uh, We have pride to take on something. Uh, But he's saying no temptation has seized you. There is no temptation that's coming against any of you or against me that we cannot overcome. I know we're in the church where, you know, we talk about deliverance and I believe, you know, in a certain type of deliverance, you know, confessing our sins to one another. So we may pray to be healed. Um, you know, I, I believe there's blind spots. I believe there's addictions and all that kind of stuff for, you know, for deliverance. But I'm saying that there's but even the world, even those without Christ, there's 12 step programs that they can resist those things. There is no temptation that can overtake us. Even the sinner, there's no temptation that can overtake them. There's plenty of twelve-step programs that, that have shown it, that have proved over and over and over how people can quit falling, that, you know, to certain sins. So how much more to those of us who are born again? How much more to us who have the living God living in us? To how much more to the God who has extended His grace to us to overcome? Grace is the power to overcome. So no temptation has has seized you except what is common to common to man. Every temptation is common uh, is is common to us, and so we can overcome that. Now you may say, Jeff, does that mean you don't fall to temptations? No, I, You know, if, if, if I don't walk in the spirit, then I'm going to walk in the flesh, and I'm going to fall to temptation. And I'm telling you, if you walk in the in the flesh, you know, if you don't follow God's ways, if you, you know, you're going to fall. Just like I know we all fall, but we want to avoid those things. We don't want, we don't have to be, you know, fall in temptation. In fact, Jesus says, pray this way, that you're not led in temptation, but you deliver from evil. That's one of the things we not fall in temptation is is, is recognizing when you start being, when you're being tempted. Many times we don't realize we're being tempted. And so until the the desire is so great that we just say, oh, well, I'm I'm this far away. (laughs) So you just jump right into it. But it says, go on, it says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, I don't like that last part. You can stand up under it. I just want to get out. You know, a lot of, you know, one thing that I've, the Lord's had to teach me is just because I'm being tempted doesn't mean God has forsaken me. You know, Jesus on that cross, you know, being tempted and he cried out, said, God, why have you ever forsaken me? Now, Jesus was just fulfilling a prophecy. But but he trusted God so much that he knew that that he was going to die and God was going to raise him up. So he is fulfilling a prophecy. But many times we think we we can feel we can feel that God has forsaken us. Why would God allow us to be tempted? Why did God allow Adam and Eve in the garden with us? You know, with a serpent who was and all of of all creatures. You know, and so why was God letting us be tempted? Well, God hasn't forsaken us, and He He will provide a way out so we can stand up and bear it. So which means. He'll show us the way, but as soon as he shows us his way, we're going to have to start walking that way. He leads us to green pastures and still waters. He leads us to the valley of shadow of death so we should fear no evil. But there's going to be a time and and place where that temptation, we're just going to have to walk it out. How long is it going to walk it out? Maybe five minutes, maybe an hour, maybe two days, three days. You know, whatever temptation it is, it may take some time. But he says he's going to provide a way so we can stand up under it and, and, and walk out. So that is that's some good news. So let's we're staying uh, in chapter ten, but hop, skip, and jump to verse twenty-four. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Oh, let's go. In fact, let's go to verse twenty-three, because this is where um, Paul talks about everything is permissible. So I think he's saying you guys saying everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So that's Paul's answer to that phrase: everything is permissible. Everything is permissible but not everything is constructive. Then he goes on and says, nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. So he's saying, okay, if you're saying everything is permissible, but you're not looking out for your brother, if you're not looking out to see if this is good for the other person, if you're not looking out to see if this is good for your wife, if this is good for your husband, if this is good for your family, but you're just thinking about yourself because it's permissible for you, then you're not walking in love. You're not walking in love. You're not seeking, you're only seeking your good, what what's gonna make you feel good, but you're not seeking other other people's. So he said, watch out for that phrase. Watch out for making that phrase a scripture. Watch out for making that, you know, something in your heart where everything is permissible for me. When you start beginning to think think that, then you're gonna be doing things that you never thought you could do or wanted to do. No, there's a lot of things that are not permissible for us to do. And there's a lot of things that may be even permissible for you, but not permissible for me because I've, I'm have because i weak in that area. And, uh, and the same thing with you. There's some things that are not permissible for you that I can do because you've been broken in that area. You've been tempted in that area, and I have no temptation in that area. So he's saying nobody should seek his own good but the good of others. So as soon as you think that you have, you know, Christian rights, and that you have all these rights, making sure make sure that your rights... Don't step on somebody else's rights. Make sure what you're doing is beneficial, not only to you, but to somebody else. We need to look out for a good, but we also need to make sure that our good is also good for somebody else and not just not just ourselves. Because love, just to think of ourselves, is love your neighbor as yourself. So let's hop, skip, and jump to verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. So let's break this down. Whatever you do, you do. We do we're supposed to do it for the glory of God. So that's one thing. If you want to know if it, if it's, if it's a good thing to do, just ask yourself. Just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, what am I going to do? Is it? Is it? Is this going to glorify you? Is this going to make you look good? Is this, you know, uh, <laughs> something a Christian would do? Is this something that, if well, does it bring God glory? Or does it cause somebody to stumble? Does it, somebody look at you and go, whoa, I thought you were a Christian. And, of course, there is the accusations of Satan. There's always going to be people that, that point fingers because they have a wrong idea. They have an idea of religion rather than relationship. And there's always going to be that. But we need to make sure that we don't cause a brother to stumble. And he says, I try to please everybody in every way. Now, Paul's not a people pleaser. Paul says, if I was a people pleaser, then I could not be a servant of the God. I could not preach the gospel. But yet he's saying, I've, um, I have I try to please everybody in every way for him, not seeking my own good, but the good of many. So he's not even seeking his own good. So he's willing to do some things, not against the law, not against, you know, it's going to cause him to sin. But he's willing to do some things that he's not, maybe he's not good at or something that, he doesn't require, but because other people require it, he's willing to do that. So that may many saved. And follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul's not just saying follow me because I'm all that in a bag of chips, but he's saying follow this example. Follow that I am looking out for everybody's. I'm not looking for my my own good, but I'm looking out for overall good. The wherever situation I go in, I'm looking over the crowd. Maybe it'd be, you know, two people, maybe it'd be two thousand, but whatever. I'm looking for for what's going to be best for everybody and not just, not just me. So follow my example. So now let's hop, skip, and jump down to, we're uh, going to uh, chapter 11. This is something, uh, down to verse 4. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. And every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is just as though her head were shaved. So, This is where uh, people get the idea that a man or, you know, shouldn't wear a hat in a church. Um, uh, Especially if you get into more of the Pentecostals and, you know, uh, where they take, where you got to take your hats off, men take your hats off. I wear a hat, I do wear a hat in church, and people have got upset with me, and many times I do take it off because I don't want to offend somebody. Once again, I'm not seeking my own good. I don't demand my own right. But as long as nobody's offended, I'll wear the hat. But, But if this is what this means if this is what it means a man shouldn't wear a hat every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head and every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors his head does that mean every woman needs to put a hat on to pray and prophesy i'm just saying here you know no no it's talking about the it's talking about the culture i think culture during that time that that a man you know to to humble himself you know, uh, he took his hat off and a woman, a woman who was known for her beauty of her hair, you know, um, and so so a woman had for a woman to be modest. She put a hat on, you know, she covered herself. And so. And so that, that So once again, this is one of those things where, uh, you know, if it offends you, I'll probably remove my hat. And if, you know, if it doesn't, then praise God, I'm going to wear my hat. But nevertheless, that's where that comes from. Where when you go to church and somebody will tell you, you take your hat you take your hat off. Let's hop, skip, and jump from chapter we're in chapter eleven. Uh let's go down to verse eighteen. It says in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to the same extent I believe it. No doubt there have been differences among you to show which of you love uh, have God's approval. So there's divisions. What brings divisions? What's the biggest thing that brings divisions between born again Christians? <laughs> to say which one has more of God's approval? Which one is God's favorite that day? You know, I'm this denomination, or I'm this denomination. Well, I believe this, or I believe this. So that means I have more favor, God. I'm God's favorite. And even John, you know, in, uh, one of the disciples, one of the apostles, uh, apostles of the Lamb, he says, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. I'm sure that upset Peter and some of the other disciples. But uh <laughs> but anytime we think more highly of ourselves because we maybe we have something which again remember knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So we you may have more knowledge than somebody else. But that shouldn't be, you you shouldn't be going around strutting your stuff and saying, Oh, I have God's approval and you don't because I, I obey God better. <laughs> I just think this is funny here. I mean it's not funny too funny that way, but it's just it's just the same thing. Man never gets, you know, gets better. This idea of, uh, of uh, uh, people are, you know, <laughs> you know, coming from fish. I, guess, I forget what it's called, you know, coming from fish or coming from monkeys. And, you know, we're changing. No, man hasn't changed for Adam. We still have the same problem all the way back then. We still have the same problem. They had divisions because one is trying to be better than the other, just like we do um, nowadays. So now let's go, uh, we're staying in chapter 11, but we're jumping to uh, hop, skip, and jump to verse 24. This is about communion. And when he has given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, 'This this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, whatever you drink, in remembrance of me. For whatever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes so if you want to know where communion was found that's one of the places we know it's in the gospels too when jesus was doing it but paul uh, said he was uh he saw this happening as well so so we take so it says and hey, know, do this uh in remembrance of me so we're supposed to when we take communion we do this in remembrance of him and it's, and it's not even, and as often as you do it, too. So it's not like you just do it on every first Sunday of a month or only on New Year's or Christmas or Easter or those kind of things. But as often as you do it and you can do it at home as home as well. I mean, I do it at home all the time and sometimes I do it with friends or family, too. But I just don't do it with a little wafer, those little flat, little white wafers and a little cup of half juice. You know, I get a big old glass of juice and I get some bread, you know, or a cracker. Actually, I use more of the Jewish type cracker but doesn't have the leaven in there you know and, and well there's more into that one of these days I'll do a teaching on like communion as well but but it, <laughs> but I want I really want to you know think about things I really want to take some time to think about to, it says do this in remembrance of me I want to spend some time remembering the Lord and, and re, it says remembrance of me until the Lord's death until he comes so I want to remember those things so I take some time to eat that cracker I take some time you know a couple couple of drinks of, of that of that juice. You some people have alcoholic, you know, wine or, you know, wine or some people have juice. I, I do juice. I kind of grew up in a, you know, around group of people that believe that alcohol is is, uh, is wrong. We know through scripture where even Paul talks about, it, you know, uh, even a deacon or, or a bishop or somebody not giving to too much wine. So apparently he's not against drinking some it's just not supposed to get drunk. But in, nevertheless, I think it's best to probably stay away from that. But use your own judgment if it condemns you not then okay uh first corinthians chapter 11 the so let's hop skip and jump down to verse 31 but if we judged ourselves we would not come under judgment when we are judged by the lord we are being disciplined so he's talking about making sure that we're doing taking the lord's communion worthily you probably heard that uh, how do, am i take it worthy does that mean i need to re- repent of every sin i don't know if you can you know remember every sin that you've done or re- re- repent. I don't think that's what I mean. I think he's talking about worthy is remembering. Don't take it casual. This is not some casual thing that you do. I mean, this is something that needs to be, this is sacred, sacred. This is something that's holy, not profane, not casual, not common. And so so I think you, you're you taking it, taking it unworthily When you're just down and when you're not thinking about it when you're not thinking about what does it mean that this is this is the blood of jesus what does it mean that this is the body christ not only what jesus did by pouring out every drop of his blood and having his beat his body beat to the point he says he didn't even look like man but also as a body of of as your own body it says that by his stripes we are unhealed we are healed so if you're not thinking about you know god you died so I could be healed. You were beat so I could be healed. And so we don't think about those things. We're taking unworthy and we don't get healed. We you know, There's a lot of times you, you can take communion and people think about There's books out there about taking communion and receiving the healing healing of the Lord. And also thinking about the body, thinking about how you treat your brother and sister because it says Jesus is the head, but we are the body of Christ. So taking communion, I think we need to consider, you know, our brothers and sisters sitting beside us. Are we honoring them? Are we loving them? Or are we... In fact, Paul talks about, before this, talking about communion where they weren't honoring one another. They weren't honoring the body of Christ here on the earth. One person was hungry, another person was drunk. So apparently somebody was eating all the bread, another person was fine with the wine. But, he's, but you know, Paul was saying this is not communion at all. So that's why Paul goes into what communion is. So we want to make sure that uh, we take in, we're doing communion worthily, meaning that we're not taking this as common, we're not taking it as casual, that we're actually thinking about what Jesus did for us and, and what he and what it means to us, you know, not only now, but for eternity. And uh, and also thinking about our own body and thinking the benefits of what Jesus did that we can take in our own body and also think about the body of Christ as our brother and sisters in Christ. Well, it doesn't look like I'm gonna get through corinthians again i'm trying to stay around 45 minutes on each on each video so i don't know what's going to happen when i get to book of romans (laughs) but we're going to start next time in chapter 12 and probably go through 16 and well that is good god bless